you know, it's really hard to make environmental issues a kitchen table issue mm-hmm. unless you talk about it like that. Yeah. And I'm yeah. trying to do the same thing for climate. You know, it's not like it doesn't matter to you and your family. Mm-hmm. It's not like it isn't about the food you eat or your ability to get a good job or breathe clean air. You know, these are now bread and butter issues. Yeah. Hello, everybody. everybody. Wow, you went super low there. Hello, everybody. We're Linda and Drew Scott. Welcome to At Home. Welcome to At Home. (laughs) This is a show where we chat with artists, experts, dreamers, and doers about the good that they're creating in the world. We go beyond design and get to the root of what home means. And through these conversations, we learn that it's all about relationships with ourselves, our communities, and our planet. So come on in. But bring pizza. All our friends bring pizza. You know all those boxes that I've been collecting? Yes, the junk. And bottles. It's not junk. Yes, the for your crafting, for your craftacular <laughs> events. Yes, so I found a use for all of the bottles. To clutter a room. Uh, no, it's going to be so pretty, but I can't say what it is yet. Wait, you're teasing everybody with something amazing from well, your, your craft realized, shop? I just realized it's someone else's surprise, so I can't ruin it. Oh. But you'll see it on one of our friends' Insta's at the end of the, wait, at the beginning of next month. Don't you think, <laughs> don't you think being that specific is also going, what if they listen? And they have like, no wait, idea who we're talking about. Do they not? No. Okay. It well, could be anything. Is it for me? Yeah, you're a friend. <laughs> with friend benefits. with benefits. You're, you're my friend with crafting benefits. Yeah. Um, all I know is, so anything that we've had in the house, it could be food or some package delivered. Uh, you go to sort of recycle the box and then all of a sudden Linda leaps out of the bushes in ninja (laughs) form and takes the box. No, I'm keeping this. Yes, I love a good quality box. Like Hugh Chocolate sent us a bunch of chocolate and the boxes are amazing. Like I reuse it for everything. And with our nieces and nephew, we made um, a little box puppet theater. Which was very cute with working curtains and everything. Yeah. (laughs) Scott Living curtains. I'm just kidding. Scott Living. (laughs) Um, So I want to tell you my ultimate craft, everybody. What? I don't know if you heard the announcement, but I was able to create my dream car. Actually Mm -hmm. build from scratch my dream car. From scratch, scratch? Yes, from scratch, scratch. I couldn't do it by myself. There's no way. Anybody in the car space knows Ant Anstead. He is a guru of vehicles. He can build a car like no one's business. He came and helped me make this dream come true. So as a kid, as a young kid, I always loved European sports cars or old classic European cars. My dad would point them out to me, the old Jag and old Aston Martin. I loved it. And for me, my dream was having that, but electric. Mm. And we just finished it. So you'll see this on Discovery Plus very, very soon. I honestly am so excited about this. The only bummer right now is that my dad isn't here to drive with me. And this is sort of like a thing for him and me. So I can't wait in a few months when he's able to travel down here and go for a joyride with me. Oh, that's going to be so fun. I can't wait to see his face when he drives it with you. It is. It's going to be amazing. And 
you can go get ice cream. We can, can go get ice cream. My, the main thing here is this. The same way I love the beauty of a, a well-designed home, I love the beauty of a well-designed car and the fact that this is zero emission. Mm -hmm. So it's not it's harming our cool. planet, which actually fits perfectly with our, our guest we're talking to. Oh my gosh, so excited for today's guest. Yes, she is Gina McCarthy, our very first White House National Climate Advisor. She is so funny and she's optimistic and she's a passionate advocate for protecting public health through strategic climate action. Do you remember seeing her at um, an EMA gala dinner? Yes, A few I years do. ago? I had no idea we were in for a stand-up. It was a stand-up comedy routine, <laughs> but it was an impactful conversation so or a, amazing. a lecture that she gave to everyone. She's dedicated her career to addressing climate change and environmental issues at the local, state, and national levels. Previously, Advisor McCarthy was the head of the Environmental Protection Agency under President Obama. And her domestic actions on climate change led to the success of the Paris Climate Agreement. Which is amazing. She was also the former director of Harvard Chan C. Change, who we worked with in the past. That's for Emma Talks Real Science Program. And she's a great friend and supporter of Emma, the Environmental Media Association. Welcome, Gina McCarthy. Okay, if ADT wasn't professional enough, now ADT installs Google Nest products with their smart home security systems because ADT believes the smarter the home, the safer the security. I mean, what are they going to do next? They're, they're going to start a country singing career. I would listen to a country band named ADT. Also, I like to know what's happening at our front door from virtually anywhere with my Google Nest doorbell. Just saying. Your Google Nest doorbell? I said our. He said my. Everybody check that. Yeah. All right. Well, I like to control my ADT smart devices, like my lights, my locks. <laughs> my security system with Google Nest speakers and displays. And I like to say, hey, Google, to get started. Listen, I said ours. I'm all about ours, not <laughs> mine. Help protect what matters most with all this, plus 24-7 professional monitoring from ADT and a little help from Google. Visit ADT.com to see how ADT can help make your home smarter and safer. Welcome. Welcome. Gina McCarthy. <laughs> hey, thanks, dude. Thanks, Linda. This is a great opportunity. It's so much fun to be with you again. It really is. It's been a couple of years since we've seen each other <laughs> at that uh, uh, Environmental Media Association banquet that we did, we went to in uh, 2019, mm -hmm. the gala. Yeah, I know. And then the next year we were all sort of locked in. So there's lots of reasons to be hopeful now, I guess. We've been big fans of yours for a very long time and everything that you do to inspire all of us and inspire change. But I tell everyone that I feel you are Melissa McCarthy's sister because <laughs> you are the two funniest people I know and you're both McCarthy's. So there you go. You Yeah. <laughs> Maybe there's a relative there that you don't know about. <laughs> well, maybe I just refuse to be boring. You know, I mean, really, life has to be more interesting than that. That's for sure. Yeah, that's a life off. worth living. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Thank that's you right. so much for taking the time to join us. Um, we always aim to bring home conversations about the health of our planet and thus the health of humankind to a place that's accessible, digestible, and most importantly, actionable. Yeah, and so yeah. we are so inspired and admire your passion and commitment to address climate change issues. But first, we always like to find out where our guests came from, your upbringing. So can you tell us about your childhood? What was home-like life for you? Well, um, I grew up in the Boston area. My, most of my family were from Dorchester, which is what accounts for my uh, accent. 
Um, at least some people tell me I have an accent. I can't no. hear it. I can't hear it at all. That's <laughs> what I figured. Um, it's all a vicious rumor, I guess. Um, and and uh, so we grew up just a little bit outside Boston. And I have two. I have two older sisters. So I was the baby of the family. My dad was a Boston school teacher. Um, he was a, he did that for like over forty years. Um, and my mom was a waitress and worked in a chemicals factory. I mean, you name it, she'd do whatever it took to, to get us by. So we lived in a, a small home. Um, and I, I think I was at least 35 before I realized we probably didn't have much money um, because it never occurred to me when I was a kid because, you know, we always had what we needed and, uh, and had a, a really strong family. I, I, I never was the top of the class, that's for sure, because this won't surprise you, Drew. Um, I was a little bit of a clown um, <laughs> and had lots more fun than the time I spent studying, um, and which is, I guess, what gets you into the White House. I don't know. But. <laughs> oh, so that means that I'm probably going to be in the White House at some point because I was also the class clown. Uh, and, and so then what was it that led you um, into this career that you have now? Were you that kid that was always very passionate about the environment? No, no, I wasn't that either. Um, I certainly remember the first Earth Day, but, you know, we, you know, I, I really am not sure. It, it was a circuitous route. I mean, I was one of those people who didn't plan the next thing. I did what was interesting. Um, and so when I was in, uh, I, I kind of goofed around in high school and I went to UMass Boston, which was really a commuter school. Um, but it was great. It wasn't expensive and I could go there for school and it was a fabulous education. But what I ended up taking as my first, the first semester was uh, a class in anthropology. Um, and I took it mainly because it was the only thing I never took in high school mm. and I hated high school. So I figured, oh, this is my chance. Maybe I'll find something I like. And I just loved it. Um, it was really a study, not just about primates and those kinds of things, but it was, a, a, I took a lot of social anthropology, which is basically cultural work. Mm. And I was, I, and people fascinate me in case you can't tell I'm a people person, you know, I thrive on, on meeting people and understanding and thinking new ideas and, and working with them. And, and it just opened up a world of opportunity for me. Um, I then went from there into to graduate school after being on working at Children's Hospital on the switchboard for three exciting years after after college. Uh, and I went to I ended up going to Tufts and doing a program that was really multidisciplinary to look at in engineering and health and environment and housing. And I have ended up being um, running to where the, the biggest challenges and trying to find a way forward. Mm -hmm. And so the environment is all, it ended up being an enormous opportunity for me uh, to figure out how I could work across different, you know, ideas and, and, and political assuasions. And, and I ended up working uh, in Massachusetts um, for uh, basically five governors, only the first of which was a Democrat who appointed me. Uh, beyond that, it was Republicans, and I kept hanging on and getting better jobs. And and really, it was just all about working with people to figure out how to solve what were essentially 
you know, just really complicated but human problems mm-hmm. by by talking about them in human terms, finding yeah. the commonality. So I'm a person who loves dissension. If you disagree, I think that's the best thing ever. Mm-hmm. You know, I just sort of hang out and work it through, figure out what what we do. And, and I ended up working in Connecticut after that for uh, a Connecticut governor, for a Republican governor there. And we got lots of good climate things done. And then President Obama um, uh, happily uh, brought me up to the federal level then. And I tried to play, play the same kind of role as how do we make these challenges more personal, more Mm -hmm. real, more understandable. You know, it's really hard to make environmental issues a kitchen table issue Mm -hmm. unless you talk about it like that. Yeah. And I'm trying to do the same thing for climate. You know, it's not like it doesn't matter to you and your family. Mm -hmm. It's not like it isn't about the food you eat or your ability to get a good job or breathe clean air. You know, these are now bread and butter issues that we all have to tackle. And so in many ways, the sort of humanness of President Biden, his very straight talk Mm -hmm. and his sort of empathy to find solutions that everyone can buy into is like right up my alley. It's not a, it's not a Republican Democrat thing. Like you said, it is a human thing. Yeah, Yeah. it is. It is. And if you keep talking about it like that, I think we have a a chance of being successful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that's why when you speak, you're so relatable because you are a people person and your love for people, that is the glue that is bridging these divides that are just made up. You know, we're all living on the same planet. And speaking of family, you're a mother and a grandmother. How has that informed your work um, and your passion for a better earth? Well, I I think in so many ways, you know, I, I think... I had uh, three kids in three years when I was uh, uh, 30 years old up until the time I was 33 and I was working. My husband was working. And, you know, the best part about that was my kids were so close in age that you could easily see the differences in those kids. And and it taught me a lot of lessons about how to work through things, Mm. about how to uh, adjust. And one of the things that my middle daughter taught me uh, when I when I was younger uh, and and she was a, a baby is she was one of those kids. And I don't know if you've experienced this before. If you told her no about something, she would absolutely do it. Mm-hmm. Right. Absolutely. No question. I experienced that with Drew. I do. That you time. know, and, and, she, and, and the more you said no, the more she would be relenting to do it. And I realized that that the the the, the you had to, to think differently about how to communicate and and motivate and so she was she was the one that taught me that it's not about what you don't do it's about what you do do Mm. you know what I mean and and it's it's for me it's been a really important way of avoiding dead-ended conversations Mm -hmm. and so you had to think about how you 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 know just get her to buy into something that she knows she's gonna like um, rather than tell her what she can't have and and it's and it's and it's uh, it was for me an important lesson because it, the challenges that you face in work and government and other things is you find you're really trying desperately to find a path forward to make progress and on something like climate you know it's been everything to me 
because I've realized that that it, that if all you do is stand around and say how horrible climate change is mm-hmm. and how we're all going to die about a week from tomorrow, yeah. you know, unless you do something, you know, you, people don't follow that. No. They go where there's hope. They go where there's excitement and opportunity. Mm-hmm. And so the most important thing that we, we can do is be honest about what you see. Yeah. And the science is telling us, but say, wow, if you go here, knowing that we can all make money, we can all have great jobs, we can actually breathe easier, have cleaner air, and yeah. then challenge them to say, what's wrong with that picture? You know, as long as we don't leave anybody behind yeah. and we go to and we run to that, man, we can win, you know, for yeah. everybody. And so that's what to me a climate optimist is about, not denying the challenge, but mm. saying, boy, we have so many solutions now. And my I have now have uh, 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 three little grandchildren. Um, uh, one of them is two. The other is one and the other is four months. Uh-huh. Um, and they are my reason for sitting in the White House because um, it's really I, I do love my children. Don't get me wrong. But boy, grandchildren are wicked cool. Aww. They're, they're <laughs> yeah, amazing. They're cute and they're less work. So you get all the enjoyment. And then as soon as they get a little cranky, you're like eh, time's up. <laughs> but this is what I love. You, you know, you as a, a self-proclaimed climate optimist is that you are painting that picture. It's not just doom and gloom. There is fact, there are facts and there are things that can be scary, yeah. but we're showing that there is hope at the end of the tunnel. And, uh, and, you have confidence in that. And I think you bestow that confidence on us when we hear you speak about the actions um, that- uh, oh, more being, than ever. Yeah. And so can you give us an idea, whether it's you know technology, innovation, clean energy, community programs, what are some of the specific initiatives that you are working on um, to improve our climate situation? Well, I mean, the, the first thing that, that people need to understand is that there's been a lot of change in technology and, and, and ways of doing business over the past 20 years. And so when we started talking about climate, it was trying to build hope that something would come along. But right now, I think it's all about deploying what's already come along. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a, about the opportunities we have before it in, before us. And that's really what President Biden has been pushing is is we already know some of the solutions and they're readily available and they're cheaper. So we shouldn't think that we have to stop and wait and pause to figure out how we get to a 2050 net zero. Let's just all agree to run as fast as we can with what we can deploy. Let's use the federal government's power to push for more innovation, which is what the federal government's known for, so that the next generation comes along. Mm -hmm. And then we'll be assured that we bought us enough time to get to where we need to go. Mm-hmm. And so just some of the exciting things that are happening are, are some of the opportunities in the American Jobs Plan that the president's put out, which is, is really all about investing in infrastructure. But essentially, that infrastructure is about moving us forward towards a clean energy economy. You know, it's 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 about creating good paying union jobs and growing the country from the bottom and mm-hmm. squishing out that middle again mm-hmm. so that we actually grow uh, the kind of country that's more stable, where people have good paying jobs and can rely on them. Mm-hmm. 
and it, and so it's about jobs and and just regular uh, run of the mill roads and bridges. But yeah. it's how you build those roads and bridges to make sure they're resilient to to climate mm-hmm. change mm-hmm. and minimize the risk to our communities. It's about what are we doing in transportation. So it's about investing in electric vehicles. I don't know if you saw the the video of President Biden in Dearborn, Michigan at at the Ford Electric Vehicle Center. He was driving the very first available um, uh, electric F-150 pickup truck. So if you think EVs are foo-foo cars for urban areas, Wrong. Wrong. They are like they can service anything. This thing and and the president was having way too much fun for a president. <laughs> At least that's what the Secret Service thought. And and so we're actually going to build the infrastructure of charging station we need for EVs. We're going to start investing in battery manufacturing here, which is going to grow manufacturing jobs. So we're looking at the utility sector, and we're going to go by twenty thirty five. It is going to be basically all electric. Mm-hmm. It's going to be our our ability to make it all clean energy from that point forward. Um, I think the utility companies are a little nervous about how quickly they can make the transition. Yeah. So we're giving them lots of opportunities for tax credits for renewable energy production. And, and we're, we're looking at investments in transmission lines so they can have the connectivity we need to have renewables yeah. accessible everywhere. We're investing in battery storage. We're investing in, in steel and cement so that they can take advantage of hydrogen, which we're demonstrating in a, a bunch of different areas hopefully green hydrogen. Mm-hmm. So, it, you know, there's just so many ways in which we're using sort of our infrastructure investments to, to bring trillions of dollars to the table, but also to generate private sector mm-hmm. yeah. interest and excitement again. Yeah. Because you know that if a private sector company can make money on it, we can it. all win. And then before you know it, we don't have to innovate. They're innovating because they're competing for the marketplace. ADT now professionally installs Google Nest products with their smart home security systems because ADT believes the smarter the home, the safer the security. Help protect what matters most with 24-7 professional monitoring from ADT and a little help from Google. You said that very professionally. I try. (laughs) Visit ADT.com to see how ADT can help you make your home smarter and safer. had our second big offshore wind announcement. We opened up our opportunities um, through, uh, through the Department of Energy, working with the Department of the Interior, working with the Department of Transportation, looking for how we, we make offshore wind available and yeah. permittable. We, we made a big announcement in New England with Vineyard Wind that's, that's going to be able to power 400,000 homes with 84 turbines. And we're looking at similar opportunities in Rhode Island, in New Jersey. And then today we just announced Uh, over 400 square miles of federal waters off the coast of California that we have reached an agreement with the Army 
to be able to open it up to floating turbines. Mm. And we are now talking about hundreds of turbines that can actually go almost to a million homes. That's amazing. Um, And so there are, it's just an exciting thing. Yeah. We, we launched a, we had a documentary we released late last year called Power Trip. And it was about the struggle and the battle between renewable energy and fossil fuels. And the biggest thing that we noticed as we were researching over the previous years is how much misinformation was out there or how it wasn't readily available. And it was just confusing to everybody. And then people just thought, okay, well, this isn't for me. I'm not being affected by this, so I don't have to deal with it. But also one of the big things was the idea that getting rid of fossil fuel was just getting rid of American jobs, when in reality, renewable is creating so many more jobs and they're clean and they're healthy jobs for Americans, which is really exciting. So, and when, when President Biden issued that executive order announcing the bold target of, uh, to achieve that carbon pollution free sector, uh, in the power sector by 2035, I was thinking like, that's amazing. I like bold moves, but now you're laying out the path to show how that's actually realistic, which is even more exciting. So yeah, it, it, it really, it really is. It really is a, a fun moment because we, you know, there's all things you can do with homes. We're going to retrofit two million homes just to show that it can be done and how important that is, especially in environmental justice communities. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to neglect to make it very clear that a lot of the investments we're making are specifically designed to actually address the vulnerable communities that have been left behind. The black and brown and indigenous communities, the poorer communities, that really, you know and I know, are inundated by pollution now. Mm -hmm. They have to be benefited by the shift to clean energy first because they're also in the crosshairs of climate change. Mm -hmm. You know, so so the, the fact that we are deliberately going to look at benefiting those communities is to me, uh, you know, uh, and it's an ethical and moral issue. It's a big deal, um, but it is a commitment that as a, a federal government we can make. And we're looking at our own procurement and how we do this better. I mean, the federal government spends a ton of money. Mm-hmm. We ought to be spending it like we are conscious buyers, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and we're going to, so we have 36 uh, agencies that, that we work with across the federal government, telling them that everything they do, they should look at equity and climate, equity and climate, climate and equity. How do you build it into every decision? And then how are you going to take a look at your facilities? Mm-hmm. How are you going to take it what you, what you buy and the signal that sends? How are you going to invest heavily in products that are manufactured by union waged positions? Let's get serious about this. We have to make sure that that people are getting a prevailing wage. And because it's the only way we're going to, you know, uh, basically continue to build our way back out of some of these poor communities and give people a sense that they can themselves own a home, yeah. Yeah. that they can have a stable, uh, a stable place for their their kids to live. It's just time that we did this, not charge the taxpayers, but really fund it by looking at all those big corporations Mm. that simply don't pay their fair share. A lot of the times when people talk about renewable energy, everyone, you know, says the price of it, the cost of it is a con. However, 
we have to look at the cost of not doing something, yeah. of not taking action, because that's yeah. you know a yeah. human cost. Well, you know us too, being in the in the home realm. I mean, home is what we do, helping families uh, renovate their homes, and so launching that the low carbon building pilot program and and the new national research initiative, finding uh, better heating and cooling systems that are efficient for buildings. That's so exciting that to me. That was exciting to like, hear. It was, yeah. it was really. Is there anything more you can share on that? Yeah, let's all, let's all take a second for a hands in the air kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what we're doing. I mean, we're doing this across the board and we're working with the unions on it mm-hmm. because there's going to be a lot of job opportunities. So it's all about basically working with with our housing and uh, housing and urban development, working with our secretary of labor to actually make sure that we're looking at building homes that are efficient. You know, we build public housing. Why shouldn't it be as efficient as possible? Because remember, this isn't just about making sure that your heating bill goes down. It's about making sure that your homes can be cooler, cheaper, so that we can address the heat waves that are coming, particularly when you're dealing with the elderly and poor populations. Mm -hmm. We have to figure this out. But it's just also about making sure that we're looking at new standards for our Mm -hmm. buildings and for the buildings that we spend money on. Yeah. And it's about making sure that people lower their cost of electricity and lower their air conditioning bills. And we start investing and in looking at opportunities to use things like ground source heat pumps. Yeah. You know, the, these heat pumps are amazing. I don't, we shouldn't call them that uh, because they're not heat pumps. They're like everything pumps, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and and it, because they actually cut down on the cost so tremendously and they're getting so much more efficient than they used to be that you can really think about not needing to use fossil fuels anymore for anything in your home. It's not a step down. I think that's the thing, trying to make people realize, uh, you know, pulling gas out of their home, not using fossil fuels in their home. It's not a step down in any way. You look at even for a range, you look at induction there. It's actually a huge step up. It's safer for your little children running around the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so many benefits, but yeah, 100%. you're absolutely right. And so there's lots of reasons why we really just need to rethink. And, mm-hmm. and maybe the best one is that how president Biden thinks about it, which is lots more jobs. Um, but it's jobs building the right things. Mm-hmm. It's jobs investing in, in ourselves and our families and our communities. Yeah. It really should never be seen as a cost. Yeah. As much as an investment in my grandchildren's future, you can you can deal with yours when they come. <laughs> but my my grandchildren come first, and I'm mm-hmm. going to make sure that that they get those benefits. Yeah. That's for yeah. sure. It's such a different time now, culturally and politically, in your new role working you know across all sectors of the government. How do you think your voice and vo- voices like yours will be heard and policies implemented in a different way now? Well, I think I think the trick to this is. Um, it is 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 making sure that we're we're looking at what's already deploy deployable, what you can deploy, and and really using every strategy that the federal government has available to partner with states and cities to get deployment up. You know, there's no reason why we can't get this done with already existing that buys you a significant chunk of time. Mm-hmm. And that can really advance things so that we don't have to wait till 2050 to win. Mm-hmm. It should be a competition to mm-hmm. get to the end as quickly as humanly possible. And, and what, what I've found is, and, and I think this is, is true of many issues, and, 
and and forgive me if it sounds like I'm di- downgrading the, the males of the world, um, but I, I, I but women are kicking butt on this issue. Yeah. If you look at who's really speaking with plain language and getting all excited about it, the women have been stepping up both on the traditional and conventional pollution side and on clean air. And the women are also the ones that I think are so excited about President Biden's proposals on 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 equal pay and and getting childcare paid for and look, you know, giving opportunities for women to be in the workforce in a way that's equal to their male counterparts. And I know, Drew, you remember, I I always kid about um, climate change uh, being man-made and and, uh, that's why women need to rule the world, remember? (laughs) Um, And and in many ways, that's tongue-in-cheek, but in some ways, I think we do, actually, on these issues. I agree. I 100% agree. I think... think And it's young people. Yeah. You know, we... we, we do so much, you know, we try to do so much and be a part of, of great movement and, and change and strong voices or help, you know, lend a hand to these strong voices like yourself. And, and when we uh, do some initiatives where we've, we've been in a stadium full of kids, high school kids, elementary school kids who are all activists, climate activists, and it is unbelievable. It's electrifying. It's electrifying to feel their energy and their passion and their drive. And these are future leaders. And to know that that is that entire generation who is really coming forward with a new mindset, that's that's really encouraging. That makes me a climate optimist. Really yeah, amazing. I did uh, an event with President Biden yesterday. We were, we were at FEMA. Um, uh, the emergency management agency and and it and we were there with our homeland security leadership and with our climate task force leadership and and we were talking about that this is the start of the hurricane season and so you know I don't want people to think we're not realistic about the challenges we're facing because we're trying to alert people but you do it in a way that tells them let's get prepared for this Let's talk about the realities of today. And, and I think that a couple of things really warm my heart with the work that we're doing with President Biden. One is that, you know, he's very honest with people. He's talking about, you know, we got to get prepared for these hurricanes because hopefully they won't be as bad as 2020. But, you know, our scientists are saying that it's going to be another above average year. So let's work together. And he's talking about what building resilient in a way that's resilient actually means. Mm -hmm. But he's also, you know, very clearly from day one said this transition from fossil fuels means that there are going to be people working in that sector that are losing their jobs. There are going to be communities that are dependent on that coal-fired power plant. And what do we do for them? And so we have an entire plan that we've already identified billions of dollars to be able to support that transition so nobody's left behind and communities won't have to suffer. You know, I I think one of the things that's become very clear is that, you know, some of our fundamental manufacturing in this country has really fallen off the radar screen. And we see so many of the products that we purchase or the supplies that we need in our supply chain to build cars and other things just being manufactured somewhere else. Mm -hmm. You know, and we're missing just huge opportunities for our own growth. 
mm-hmm. you know, for our own ability to have a strong economy. And, yeah. and really, a lot of this is just recognizing that there's been real decades of disinvestment mm-hmm. um, that we need to turn around. And if we can do that without, you know, raising the taxes of, of normal people, why, why aren't we just running to make those investments you, you know, Drew, the houses you go into that are the worst are the ones that nobody paid a penny to keep up anything. You walk mm-hmm. in them and you wish you look like you were in the 40s. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, 100%. And, and really, what good is that? You know, yeah. why would we want to let our country operate based on manufacturing processes or with infrastructure that hasn't been updated since the 70s? Right. Uh, one last question before we head into the speed round. How can we bridge policy with everyday action? And what can we all do at home? I, you know, one of the first things I just tell people is to just talk about these issues differently. You know, you can look for opportunities to, you know, to, to um, buy products and where, they, where they're from and, and, and shift away from plastics, which are very challenging, of course, mm-hmm. and look for opportunities for, you know, recycling and no plastic bags. I think all those things are great because they keep it in your conscience, mm-hmm. right? They keep you thinking about it. No, they aren't massive challenges. But the most important thing is for us to talk about these things An everyday person can think about how they can make a difference in their own lives. And if everybody did that, that collective attitude change would be all we need. It is. And I think one thing I'll I'll admit when I was switching over to a a reusable bottle instead of using plastic bottles years ago. So I carry a a large bottle with me. At first, I thought this is gonna be the hardest thing. My busy schedule, I'm filming, I'm flying all over. It's just it seems too hard. But I did it. Thanks to Linda forcing me and making me do it. Uh, and then once I switched over, I realized I'm like, it wasn't as hard. It was all built up in my mind that it was such a hard thing. So I think if everyone makes those tiny little changes just at home, it'll start to, to compound. Then you're going to look back a year from now and think, I did all that. And if everyone on the, on this in this country and on this planet makes that same little change, it, it's going to make a world of difference. We have a speed round. We okay. want to wrap things up with a nice speed round here to really understand home for you. So here we go, Gina. What meal makes you feel at home and who cooked it? Um, uh, beef stew and my mother. Mm. Hey, hey, I'm Irish. What can I tell you? <laughs> Love it. it actually would be lamb stew in reality, but I said beef just the same. <laughs> we'll take either. What song reminds you of home? Probably um, Sweet Caroline would be, be a good one for me because Amazing. it's what we sing all the time uh, on the seventh inning stretch at Fenway Park. All right, yeah. next time we go karaokeing. Yeah, there we Sweet go. Caroline. What <laughs> is your perfect Sunday morning at home? Oh, that's easy. A cup of coffee in the Food Channel. Amazing. Ooh. Oh, hey, love Food Channel. I love the Barefoot Contessa. Oh, I love I, it. I, I love her. Yeah. I've loved her for centuries. I think. <laughs> it, that might insult her, but me too. She's amazing. She's name amazing. name three things on your bedside table. Oh, it, it would be a book, um, my uh, an alarm clock, and my telephone. And then, last question: What's the first thing that you think about when you wake up in the morning? 
the first thing I think about is I have this little dog that's like a Shih Tzu, but really, really cute. And she always is in the bed. So the first thing I have to think about is the minute you roll over, she's going to be in my face. <laughs> and I find it's the same for me, though. Yeah, the, the moment I roll over, Linda's in my face. So, yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much. That may be a more pleasant experience. Yeah. She licks my face, though. too. Yeah. And I get belly rubs. <laughs> conversation like this just touches me really deeply because everything we do with renovating for families, it's all about making sure that families get the most out of their home and that they enjoy where they live. And I really, really love that Gina, you know, she's not making this a political thing. She is showing that this is all about families for her, creating jobs, creating healthier homes, creating homes in general so that everybody has a home. And so that our home planet can last for generations to come. Exactly. Um, and I just love that she is such an advocate for making these conversations, kitchen table conversations. They don't just need to happen at a political level. It's something that we can all talk about in our own homes. Yeah. Thank you so much to Gina for joining us and for everyone listening. We really love having you here. And a huge thank you to our homies, Brandon Angelino, Annalie Bell, Hannah Fan, Courtney Iwanis, Wes Friend, Chris Cobain, Jessica Bryant-Harvey, and Nicole Schachter. Our theme music for At Home is by Victoria Shaw and Chad Carlson. And music is composed and produced by Rick Russo. Thank you so much for listening. And if you do enjoy our podcast, be sure to subscribe and rate us. Always rate us. We love you rating and commenting. Yeah, we actually like your feedback. And to you, thank you. Thank you. Love you. Love you. Dun, 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 dun. ADT <laughs> now professionally installs Google Nest products with their smart home security systems because ADT is awesome and believes that the smarter the home, the safer the security. I can't wait to see what they do next. They're going to put Google Nest doorbells on the moon. <gasps> da, da. Actually, I'd like to know what's happening at our front door from virtually anywhere with our Google Nest doorbell. I do love how when we're out at dinner, we can see exactly what's going on at the front door. And we can control our ADT smart devices like... Lights, locks, the security system with Google Nest speakers and displays. Mm -hmm. All you have to say is, hey, Google, to get started. Well, I think it's great for people to help protect what matters most with all of this. Plus, 24-7 professional monitoring from ADT and a little help from Google. Visit ADT.com to see how ADT can help make your home smarter and safer. Hey, Google.